Okay, now I'm going to introduce to you our guest speaker, Brian Suguchiwatan. Um, you can bring Brian on out now anytime. Hopefully they're back there and hearing me. Um, Brian is an amazing man. I don't know if any of you have been here for years. I remember, I, I should say, I don't remember Brian when he was a little kid. I remember his dad, Mo, and their family, and Mo was just so full of energy. Well, his kids were too. Like I said, I can't remember Brian because he was small at the time. But I do remember um, when Brian had his accident and all of us praying fervently for God's mercy and love to help out in that family. Um, and Brian's probably going to share on that hard time in his life, but it's amazing how a heart that is so dedicated to God can just, through the adversity of life, still praise God and follow God and have an impact on so many lives. He humbles me in the fact that he can touch so many lives with everything that's happened to him. And it's like, that adversity has never happened to me. And I've never touched the lives that he has. So I just want to introduce to you Brian. And he will be sharing to you, with you, some of the, what's on his heart, I should say, because I don't know for sure what all is going to be shared. So Brian, it is a pleasure to have you here. And uh, just share with us what God has on your heart. All right, thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. It's always interesting. I haven't very often uh, shared in uh, churches within my own community. And so I may share the church, and I know that I know some people, some people know me. There's others that don't know me at all. That there's always that sinking feeling. These people actually know me. That can be hard. That can be difficult. You know, some of you may know my history or knew me when I was a kid or something like that and has stories that maybe I don't want shared. But, so it's a pleasure to be here and spending the last Sunday of August with you. And I, as I talked to Pastor Dean a few weeks back, he wanted me to continue on um, the series, apparently, that you guys have been going through on the commandments of the Lord. And so we talked about that. I, so my primary, primary purpose here today is not to share my testimony or my story, however, some of that may come through. Um, but what we're going to do is talk about one of the commandments of the Lord was not in the four Gospels, as we might think, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when he says, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the remotest ends of the earth. So that is a command, that's an imperative of Jesus to his disciples right before he ascended up to heaven. So that's where we will 
primarily to you today, and that we will explore other parts of scripture as well. So let's go ahead and begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for a nice uh, summer warning that you've given us. Uh, we ask this morning that as we look at scripture, that you would open our hearts to your truth by the Holy Spirit. And that uh, through your word, that you would accomplish in us what you intend. So thank you for these things. In your name we pray. Amen. So Acts 1 verse 8, if you guys want to take a quick look at that. So here's Jesus getting ready to go to the ascendant to heaven and he's leading his disciples and it, it seems like they're not, it's like once more our Lord's going to lead us. And so in verse 7 there's still kind of this idea that you know, is it now? Is it now that you're going to restore your kingdom? And Jesus says is it not for you to know the times and the ethics which the Father is fixed by his own authority. In other words, don't worry about that. God has that. That's not for you to know. But what is for them to know and what Jesus has promised them back before his death and he promised them again after his resurrection and just here a few verses earlier, he promises them that the Spirit will come upon them. And so he says, you receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And so we know that their motivation, here's this, in a way, a dejected group of disciples, not sure what they're doing, they're kind of confused. And Jesus telling them, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you shall deny witnesses. And so in just a short time, on the day of Pentecost, we know that they received the Holy Spirit. And this disciples that seemed dejected and confused no longer seemed that way. And they're preaching, they're evangelizing, and there were rumors flying about what was really going on, but we know that they were being empowered by the Spirit. And then Peter, sort of the, the one who, you know, keeps saying the wrong thing and puts his foot in his mouth, and, you know, here's Peter always getting into trouble, the one who denied Christ three times, who then becomes kind of the ringleader, of the disciples, they hear in Acts 2, Peter gives this, this incredible sermon to the Jews. And as a result of that, 3,000 Jews were added to the kingdom that day. And was that, was that Peter's old self? His own strength? No, it was because he was empowered and emboldened by the Holy Spirit. And now, their evangelistic outreach didn't always turn out that way. In Acts 17, Paul evangelizes to the Gentiles, and it says, and some believed. 
It doesn't say there's this massive number. That either way, little Paul and Peter were empowered by the Holy Spirit to communicate the good news, the gospel of Christ, which has the power to save to the lost. And they were witnesses. So with the word witness right there, where it says, you shall be witnesses, is where we get the word martyr. And we know that most of the disciples were martyred because of the message of the gospel. And that's where you get that word. A martyr is a witness, someone who gave their life because by being a witness of the good news of Christ. And so they had, where they were once afraid, maybe intended, um, they now had the power of the Spirit to embolden them and to give them words to say that, and to preach the way they never preached and to preach to people whom they never preached to. And God used them in mighty ways. And where it says, and you shall be thy witnesses, both in Jerusalem and to all Judea and Samaria and to the remotest ends of the earth. Now I'm thinking, considering the time that this was written, almost 2,000 years ago, where was the remotest ends of the earth? That was us. Columbia County, or even America, at that time, they didn't even know it existed. We were the remotest ends of the earth. And so that took place over the centuries. The gospel had gone out all over the world, and we know now that Christianity is the most influential uh, belief, if you will, or um, in the world. And so we are grateful for the Holy Spirit's power, but are they the only ones that receive the power of the Spirit? See, we have that same power. We have that same motivation. There are many of us who feel inadequate when it comes to being a witness for Christ or sharing the gospel, that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because at the time we receive Christ, we receive, we are transformed into a new creation in Him, we, we are also indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told us the Holy Spirit will remind us of all the things that he has taught us. That's what he told the disciples. I will send you another who will remind you of all the things that I have taught you. So it doesn't matter if they're forgetful because the Holy Spirit is going to remind them of everything that they were taught. Then in John 16, the Holy Spirit will guide them into all truth. And we have the truth of the Word of God and that we still need the Holy Spirit to guide us into that truth. And so we have the power of the Spirit with us as we are in this world, and we have the power of the message.
And so when it comes to being a witness, yes, being a witness, uh, you show the witnesses to the world. That is a command of the Lord. That's one of many commands. And I don't know exactly what commands that you guys have gone over in the last few weeks, that there are a lot of them. And there are some that say, well, it's lifestyle evangelism. So we need to just focus on the commands of the Lord and deed de- de- to him. And we really don't need to share the gospel as long as we're obedient to the word of God and to Christ. Because people will see our lifestyle. And so it's important to focus on those commands and to be obedient. And that's true. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So if we are true followers of Christ, we will keep his commandments. We will want to help the sick and feed the hungry and clothe the poor and all those kind of things. We want to um, do unto others as we'd have them do unto us, right? There's, there's all kinds of commands that Jesus gave us. And then there are others that say, well, it's with being a witness, you need to just tell everyone the good news about the gospel and that you can. You can. It's not so much a matter of how you live your life. It's a matter of you getting the good news out. And oftentimes, people separate those two things. And there are those that say, yeah, well, I'm good at telling people about the gospel. And there's others that say, well, I, I do that just by trying to deal with the word. Now, I, I think they're both important in the sense that if we are witnesses, our lifestyle is a witness to what God has done for us by transforming us from darkness into light and making us a new creation. And so therefore, if we keep God's commandments and we're true to his word, and when we tell someone about the good news, the gospel of Christ, it gives what we say credibility because our lifestyle matches what we're telling them, what we're saying. But if you say, if you're telling someone about Christ, or let's say you're at work and you're involved in the same thing as everybody else, and you're telling the same jokes and the same dirty jokes, and your lifestyle doesn't seem any, any different, but then they find out that you go to church. Now they expect something a little different from you, that they may not see that. And they're wondering, how does that work? You go to church, but yet you talk the same way, you're involved, you do the same things as we all do. What's the difference? And so it's true, it's extremely important that we are true to the commandments of God, that we follow Christ, so that when we have the opportunity to verbalize the gospel, 
the gospel has credibility because they can look at our lives and say there was a real transformation there. And so in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus says, you are, a city, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. In other words, you're, you're the light of the world. You're going to stand out. You can't hide. If you're truly a light of the world, you cannot hide. And he goes on to say, someone doesn't take the, the light and put a basket over it so they, to hide the light. That No, they put it on a lampstand so they give light to the whole house. In other words, the point of the light is so that you illuminate the whole area that you're in. You don't try to hide it. And then in verse 16 he says, let your light shine in such a way to the Lord in that they will see your good deeds and honor your Father who is in heaven. So we, have this, we are the light of the world. Now let your light shine. Don't hide it. And it says, live and let your light shine to the man in such a way. And that was the obvious. Let your behavior, your attitude, the obvious, that they will see your good deeds and honor your Father who is in heaven. Now, honoring your Father who is in heaven, they may see that. If they may even ask, why is it that you're different than everyone else? Why do you react Differently, why are you happy when you should be sad? You know those kind of things, and then we have the ability to point him to the Father. But we want to live in such a way that they notice something different, so that when we bring attention to the Father, they don't just act like we're hypocrites. That they know that there's something real. There's a real transformation there that we have then transformed from darkness and now we're light. And so you want to let that light shine before men in such a way that they will see our good deeds and honor our Father who is in heaven. And that way, we are witnesses. And the witness I'm talking about, sometimes you'd say, well, I'm not really good at evangelism. And there's people that are for that. So there's people that are called the mission field. And they go out and they serve for years in different parts of the world, parts of the country. And, and so they're, you could say, professional uh, ministers or evangelists. There are people that are called to the ministry of being a pastor. And so they're good at that. They're, you know, studying the word all the time. They're preaching, and they know the right words to say and the right, uh, the right things to do. And it's because they know what they're doing. They're professionals. They're they're called to that. And so I'm like you guys. I'm just a layman. I'm not uh, in some kind of professional ministry. Um, I attend church like you guys do. I'm a member of the church like you guys are. I'm not paid staff, nothing like that. 
So what this is referring to is not just referring to the pastors and the evangelists and the missionaries. It's referring to believers, Christians. And so God will give us our platform or our place of ministry. And so for some of you, it may be every day when you go to work. Uh, I know school is starting soon. So school, and some of you are going to be going to college. There's sports. And then even your own families. We need to be examples and we need to share the truth even within our own families. And in those circumstances where we find ourselves, we are to behave as witnesses of Christ. Not just at church, not just on a mission trip, but every day, in your everyday circumstances, we are to behave as witnesses of Christ. And we pray and we ask God for the opportunity to share the gospel, to impart the gospel to those individuals. And hopefully they have seen something real in our lives all this time that when they hear the gospel, it makes sense to them. They want to listen, they want to hear. And so we want to live as lights. We don't want to be right. We don't want to hide. We don't want to be ashamed. And, and I know some people, it's hard to, it feels weird to uh, tell someone about their need for the gospel, the need for Christ. And so they think, I'm just going to live my life this way and do my best, have a good attitude. And, and that's a good approach However, there are times that we need to open our mouths and share the gospel. So in Romans 1.16, it says the gospel, yeah, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jew, then to the Greek. And so if the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, there's a saying that people like in has some, some value to it, but it says to preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Now, the idea is that we should let the gospel be seen in our lifestyle, right? Now, I understand that's true. However, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel saves. Our good works don't. Our good works are a result of the gospel, but they don't save. And so we need to share the information of the gospel, the good news out of the word of God, because of the power of God unto salvation. So there are times that we need to open our mouth and, and impart the gospel. And our lifestyle should give that, what we had to say, give it credibility. And so 
I think of, there's a passage that um, I think is then misunderstood a lot. And it's a pretty familiar verse. And I, I know that I have misunderstood myself for many years until I get studying this book. And I finally, it finally clicked with me that there's more to it. And that's 1 Peter 3.15. None of you know that. And none of you will quote part of it that will say, the Bible says that you're ready to give an answer for the hope that lives within you. That, that's sort of the paraphrase. It's okay to paraphrase verses as long as we know what they mean first. So that if we paraphrase them, we at least paraphrase them correctly. So I'm going to give you some context to this. I'll try to do it quickly. That in the context of that verse, Peter is talking to the believers on how to live and respond in an unbelieving world and in unbelieving circumstances. So it starts out in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, and he talks about how does a believer respond to an unbelieving government? And then he goes on, how does a believer respond to an unfair, harsh master? And then he uses Christ as an example of someone who, even though they're mistreated, he didn't sin. And he suffered and paid the penalty under the hands of evil men that he himself did not compromise. Then he goes on in chapter 3, and he gives an example of how a believing wife should respond in an marriage to an unbelieving husband. And then in verse 7, how a believing husband should respond to an unbelieving wife. So he gives all these circumstances of how, how a believer should respond to, to an unbeliever. But then he kind of generalizes it in verse 8. He says, to sum up all of you, the harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead, for you are called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing for the one who desires life to love them to see good days, lest keep his tongue from evil and his lips from seeking deceit. He must turn away from the evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer that the face of the Lord against those who do evil. And then it says, Who will harm you if you are zealous for blood of good? that even if you should suffer for righteous sake, you are blessed. Therefore, do not be, be troubled or intimidated. And then here's verse 15. It says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account 
for the hope that lives within you with gentleness and respect. So many of us, so the word, that's, that's kind of the big apologetic verse. So 1 Peter 3.15, it says, always be ready to give a defense, right? Well, the word defense is the word apologia. So we get the word, it's appropriate that we use that for apologetics. But we think the way the verse is oftentimes paraphrased, that the imperative, the command is to be ready to give a defense. The be ready is not the imperative. It's the imperative or the command is that sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. That's the command. We are to set apart Christ above all in our lives. And so it could read like this. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to give a defense. So being ready is a result of being obedient to the command of sanctifying Christ as Lord in your hearts. And so the readiness it talks about, oftentimes you want to use this as a verse to say, see, we should arm ourselves with, you know, books about manuscript evidence and creation science and um, evidence for the resurrection and, and all kinds of apologetic information so that when people challenge us, we can answer them, we can we can respond to them in an intelligent way. Now, I believe that's important, and there's a place for that, that the readiness that it's talking about here, if you look at the context, the readiness is that you would act like a believer. So you are, that whole context is telling us how to respond as believers to unbelievers, and the whole thing is telling us is to you know, be harmonious, don't be, don't be troublemakers. We are to be respectful. We are to be obedient to the, the unbelieving government. We are to, um, you know, forgive. We are to bless. We are to not retain evil for evil, insult for insult. But in other words, we are supposed to be a blessing even to the unbelieving world. And so... That is when someone asks you for an answer or a defense for the hope that lives within you. If you have been acting like a leader and treating people with kindness and with respect and humility, you are going to be ready to share the good news because they're going to be willing to listen to someone whose life and shows the gospel as a reality. Now, if you are at work or at school and you're engaged in the same kind of talk, the same kind of behavior, the same kind of attitude, as everyone else, there's really no apparent difference between you and the rest of everyone. And then someone says, wait, didn't I hear you go to church. What's that all about? Are you going to feel ready to tell them about the good news of Christ and why you go to church? 
if you've just been using foul language and dirty jokes and all this stuff and complaining and whining and, and now you're telling someone about the gospel. So the readiness that it's talking about in 1 Peter 3.15 is not necessarily being armed with information, but the readiness of living a pure life as a true follower of Christ so that you will be ready to impart the gospel to those who need to hear that. And so one of the areas that one of the practical ways this can be done in Philippians 2.14 it says do all things without grumbling or disputing. I used to have my kids recite that verse when they were little. <laughs> Very simple verse. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, or some translations say without complaining or arguing. Though the next verse even gives it more weight. In verse 15, it says, So that you may prove yourself to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in a crooked and preserve and perverse generation among whom you are here as lights in the world. So there's a word again, lights, as Jesus called us to be the light of the world. Now I don't know anybody, I don't you know, if they're an unbeliever or not, who likes complainers or whiners. So if you're one of those that, you know, whether it be a school or at work or you're out on a hike or you're doing sports and you're just, you're complaining, you know, I'm too thirsty, I'm too hot, I'm sore, I can't go on anymore, and you're, you're whining about these things, this work is too hard, I can't wait to the Day ends, you know, this is, this is not fair, I shouldn't have to do all this. Um, what it's telling us here is that that does not make your light shine very bright. A Christian should not complain they should, doesn't mean that circumstances are always easy, but there should be a way to find, to be thankful about what's going on, and need to be the one with the good attitude to be an example to those around you. And by doing that, your light will shine. And the reason your light will shine is because people aren't used to it. They're used to hearing people complain or, or talk bad about someone behind their backs or whatever, it might be. And what it's saying here is, you adhere to lights in the world. In other words, don't complain, don't grumble, because your lights aren't shining bright when you do that. If you want to be a good example and be a good testimony for your faith, don't be a complainer. Don't be a whiner. Don't argue about everything. And this could go for you guys on the school, don't be one of those in the classroom that's disrespectful to your teacher. 
Doesn't mean teachers are all good, but be respectful to your teacher. Don't be the destructive one making, trying to distract people from their work. Be respectful. And I guarantee you'll stand out because that's unfortunately um, not as common as it should be. If you're at work, work hard. And, and for young, young people or anybody here, I can't, I can't overstate that if you were to get a job and you showed up on time and every time that you're scheduled, they would, that would stand out, daytime. <laughs> they, they would wonder, wow, where did this kid come from? Because I, I guarantee, I hear that all the time. People, they either show up really late or don't show up at all, and they get away with it. And it's not because the employee, employer likes it, it's because they can't just fire everyone who does that or else they would have no help. And so the Bible says to do these things as to the Lord, not to men. So as a Christian going to work or going to school, you're giving it your best because you're giving honor to God. And by doing that, you stand out before men. And if they ask you, you know, why is it that you show up on time? And why is it that you... Don't complain, and you can tell them, because I serve a greater master. And so these are all seen simple things, that these are the things that people see, look for and watch and notice, and that by doing that, when you are able to, you're able to share the good news in a context that makes sense because it fits your lifestyle. So when you tell someone that you have been transformed by the blood of Christ, you have put your faith in him, and he died on the cross for your sin, and because he believed in him, he has given you eternal life and has made you a new creation in him. And because of that, you want to do things that please him. You want to live a lifestyle that pleases God, brings glory to him. That's going to make a lot more sense in the midst of a lifestyle that's consistent with the message. And so we've all been given platforms or opportunities or circumstances to where we are able to share the gospel and live a life as a witness to the gospel. Now for me, I was burned in a severe burn injury almost 27 years ago. I spent lots of time in the hospital. And that... You know, lots of time initially and even now, um, not too long before I came here, I was in the hospital. In fact, I told Pastor Dean, you know, I, I can come and, and uh, share on that Sunday that I'm not very reliable. And he says, well, what do you mean? I said, I, I could be in the hospital that weekend. And 
And that's, that's happened lots of times, and that's why I say that. And I wanted him to know that there could, you know, something could happen, I may end up in the hospital, and I don't want to leave him in a, in a rough spot. So now I was in the hospital about a week ago. Um, so thankfully, I was able to get out and, and feel fine and able to be here today. And also, I go to, I'm on dialysis. My kidneys have failed. So I go to dialysis three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I spend, you know, four hours there um, with each treatment. So nurses, physicians, medical staff, my dialysis techs, I come, in, I come across quite often. Now, I don't always get the opportunity to impart to them the truth of the gospel. Um, that it's not always the best time, not always the wisest time for that to happen, but I do always have the opportunity to try and live in a way that my attitude is correct, that I'm not complaining about how bad things are, uh, that um, I'm not talking about bad things or negative things or that I want to be a blessing to them instead. And so we always have that opportunity. We always have uh, that privilege to live in a way that brings honor to God, even if we don't always get a chance to verbalize it. But it is important to be bold. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's important that when we see that opportunity, that we do verbalize it. And we tell people the good news of Christ. And by doing that, we're telling them what Christ has done for us and how he has changed our lives. And as they see that reality, they need to leave what we say. And so, Yeah, uh, Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So you don't want to go around being ashamed of the gospel, though you want to live as lights that shine bright in a dark world, because we certainly are in a dark world, lots of confusion. We want to shine bright. We want it to be clear so that when we have that chance, we can tell the good news with enthusiasm. So as witnesses, we are all witnesses. We are all called to be witnesses. And we, as witnesses, we need to bring glory to God by how we live our lives. And with our lips, we give him testimony. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for uh, the gospel that you have given us, that you have transformed us from death to life, from darkness to light, and helped us take that news, that good news that you've given us, and 
proclaim that to those who need to hear it, those around us, both with our lifestyle and with our words. So we thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Help us to be uh, good witnesses for you. We thank you for these things. In your name we pray. Amen.